The real target in war is the mind of the enemy commander, not the bodies of his troops. B.H. Liddell Hart, British military historian. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah. I'm your host. For those of you that are new, this is a podcast to teach you how to be the leader in life at your work or in your sport or in your profession. It's a leadership and performance podcast. It's for people that want to win in their career, in their family, and in life. And the goal of the podcast is to help you become a top performer in your field. It'll help you establish a foundation in leadership and performance and help you evolve from a poor leader to a good leader or a good leader to a great one. All I ask is that if you find value in today's episode, that you share it with a friend. And if you have been sharing this with a friend, I truly appreciate it and continue to push and continue to share it with more friends because the work doesn't stop. I'll continue to provide value on every episode. And I ask that you guys do the same and, and share it with every friend every single time. Okay, so today's, today's topic is a very important one because there's a lot of chaos going on in the world right now. Um, if anybody's turned on the, two, the, the, the TV or scrolled through Facebook or anywhere, really, you're going to see chaos all around us. And so today's topic is something very, very serious. Um, I'm going to talk about controlling chaos. We're going to talk about the importance of remaining calm in chaos and how it can affect the friends, the family, the coworkers, the subordinates, the team around us, and why it's our job as leaders to step up and provide that to everyone around us um, for our own protection, for our own stability, for our families, and for our country. You know, we're living in chaotic times right now and things are generally unstable. And what I'm talking about is this, the spread of coronavirus and really the hysteria that the world is in right now. So we're going to talk about today's topic is creating calm during chaos. Before I do, um, we go ahead and welcome my co-host, Justin, my sidekick, Phillips. How's it going, brother? How's it going? I didn't get any cool nicknames this week. Yeah, you know, I father last time and he didn't use it. So now I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to overuse it. I feel like either I got to come, you got, I got to be creative from time to time, or uh, I just can't keep saying the same thing over and over again and say That's I didn't true. have one. So, well, see, I, I thought of an alternative because you used to call me the master podcaster for a while. Yeah. Well, like why don't we one. just turn that into the pod master? Ooh, that's good. I just ask you for your own for your own uh, <laughs> yeah. nicknames every that's time. That's what I that's what I do throughout the other six days of the week that we don't record. Is I think of nicknames for myself. <laughs> oh, and after man. twenty episodes, I've come up with two. <laughs> <laughs> the master podfather is that what it was? No, the pod the, master. The, the, the pod master. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like yeah. it. I like it too. Well, shit, man. Let's <laughs> let's dive right in. Let's um. Unless you had any housekeeping notes, guys. Once again, thank you so much for helping us, uh, you know, spread the message, and um, con we're continuing climbing through the rankings on on iTunes and stuff. Yeah, so let's guys, thank you. We're gonna start a competition with the coronavirus to see what we can spread faster, either that or this podcast. So you're gonna have to get the work <laughs> to beat that. But um, yeah. but since everybody's staying at home with nothing to do for the next month and a half, like tell them you know this cool podcast that they can listen to while they're not knowing what to do with themselves. There we go. Yeah, it's a time to brushing up on your personal development, and uh, there's no other better place to go than this podcast. So yeah, share it with a friend and say, hey man, I know you're hunkered down in your house 
staying away from the coronavirus. <laughs> so here, listen to this. Yeah. So give me your actual like kind of brief opinion on this whole coronavirus situation, even though everybody's a little bit sick of hearing it by now. We're going to talk about it anyway. But do you think it's more so just hysteria and nonsense or is it actually more of a legitimate concern from the way from what you've seen? Yeah, you got for everybody that's listening right now. This is I mentioned it a little bit earlier with the introduction on on this uh, this episode, but I think it's what's the most important thing that we get out of this episode today is is a, is peace of mind. Um, and I'm hoping to give you peace of mind, you know, from the time you listen to it, um, and and till the end of this hysteria that the world is in. Um, that's my goal, and I'm going to give you some practical tools to help keep you calm during chaos. And, you know, if it's not the coronavirus, there might be something else that's happening in your life where it's extremely stressful and you're trying to manage that chaos. So I'm going to give you some tips and tricks to, to get through that because, you know, the world right now is completely unstable. Our country is unstable and I want to help fix that. I want to give you some stability in your life. And I'm going to do that in this episode. So Justin, you're asking, you know, What's my take on the coronavirus? Yeah. Um, the, the first thing is I'm, I'm thinking a lot bigger than just the virus. Um, mm-hmm. And you and I have briefly talked about that. But at first glance, really what the way people are looking at, at, at the coronavirus is that, hey, is this thing real or is it fake? Is it not that big of a deal or is it life-threatening? And, you know, I've looked at it from a higher standpoint of this is a huge issue because if you look at it from an enemy standpoint, if you look at it as information warfare, as a tactic used in information warfare, what we're experiencing right now in the United States is extreme confusion and disinformation and misinformation. And nobody knows right from wrong, which is a huge problem. Now think about the compound effect of this and think about the second and third order effects of this. If, if this was an enemy attack, if say, you know, another country planted this idea in our country that the world was on fire, what they could accomplish. So I, I, that's, that's the direction I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking about how severe this is from a, an information warfare perspective. But if we were to look really micro and we were to look at just the coronavirus, um, my personal opinion is that I, it's like with all things, trust but verify. And I take it seriously. I take, I, I am taking precaution, but I'm not letting it control my life. Um, and what I mean by trust by verify is that, like, I recognize that this virus could be severe, it could mutate, it could get out of control. But I also recognize that what's currently going on is not as big of a deal as the world is making it out to be. If you look really close at it, like the symptoms of the coronavirus, for people that are surviving, which is a lot of them, 99% of them, um, they're getting a little bit sick and then they're, and they're fine afterwards. Right. So, um, how, what's my personal opinion on it is that I'm remaining cautious. I'm taking, you know, preventative measures from getting sick and I'm monitoring my activity, but I'm not letting it control me. Yeah. So, so what do you mean by that with it? Not letting you, not letting it control you. Like, have you, Mm-hmm. What 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 do you think it's controlling other people from that are going ballistic about it? What are they not doing or doing that they probably wouldn't be otherwise? Yeah, so right now the idea of the coronavirus is controlling people 
by controlling their daily activity. It's it's shut down schools. It's shut down <laughs> yeah. events larger than 200 people, I think yeah. is what most states are doing right now. You know, it's controlling the civilian population. It's controlling where we go and what we do. Yeah. Um, and for me personally, I'm not allowing it to do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to the gym when I want to. I'm still working out when I want to. Um, am I avoiding travel? I don't really have anywhere to travel right now. So it's not really controlling me like that. I did just book a trip for, for April. Um, so we'll see if I change my plans here as this thing develops, but right now I'm not letting it can dictate, I'm not letting it dictate my lifestyle. Yeah. Do you think, is that, is that kind of one of your tips to people on a personal level and maybe a, on a leadership level is kind of maintaining that control over your own shit when something like this comes up? Yeah. Well, th the tip is, you know, we need to mitigate risk in everything that we do as leaders, right? We need to mitigate it for ourselves and mitigate it for our family members, but we don't need to live in fear. And the decision that I'm making is not to live in fear and to continue to move about my, my day in and day out life and not allow this, 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 uh, you know, well, this virus to, to control me. So, and the reason why I've chosen to continue my day life, my daily life is because I've looked into at a, at a deeper level what's actually going on. So I recognize that some people are at risk of, you know, to die. Some people are, are at risk to get sick more than others. And for me, as a healthy male, um, you know, in my in my thirties, the the risk for me is not that bad. But who I come into contact could be. So I'm just being conscious of it, but I'm not letting it control me. Right. Um, so the tip for people is that whenever stuff like this happens, is to not overreact, you know, it's natural right now. You can, you've seen it across all across the country. People are going to the store and they're plussing up on, on water and toilet paper and they're stocking up. Like they're going to be in their house for years. And that's an overreaction. Now we should have supplies on us. We should have stuff in our house and, and precautions that allow us to survive past, you know, 24, 48 hours. Sure. But do you really need to stock up for multiple years at a time and on and overreact? No, you don't. Right. Well, think of the repercussions of that, too, because I was I was talking naturally. Everybody's been talking about this, but I was talking with my parents about that the other day, uh, the toilet paper issue specifically, because that's the hot thing to talk about. But I was thinking like it, it goes to another level when you have all of these people that start stocking up on toilet paper because the coronavirus is coming and they think they're in the fucking apocalypse. And then what's happening now, I think, is that people are going even crazier stocking up on toilet paper, not because of the virus, but because they're trying to get it before the lunatics do take it so it's it just kind of yeah. compounds and gets even farther out of control when even just a couple of people lose their shit and then more people lose their shit and then that becomes more contagious than what we're worried about in the first place yeah and you're what you're gonna see here my my personal belief is in a short period of time you're gonna see um us compensate for that correction as well for that overreaction as an economy mm -hmm. you're gonna see the, the counterbalance if you will and you're going to see the economy start to correct itself. If you're watching the stock market right now, you're seeing it. You're seeing it tank, right? That's a good indicator of the economy. And you'll see that start rising back up here very, very soon, because you know there's there's going to be leaders that step up and they're going to try and and create calm in this chaos. But information can spread so quickly that there's not enough time for them to do that, right? They have to gather the information, put their reports together, uh, book the speaking event, whatever, and then. And then push it out so that there's a little bit of a lag time with the countermeasures. Um, do you so think we're gonna, that, 
a situation like this gives us an opportunity to really kind of identify and recognize who some of the better leaders are, or even some of the real leaders are all over the place because we can actually see who's stepping up and doing something about it. Yeah, it, it, it'll tell you, it'll reveal whether it's not somebody is a leader and what type of leader they are. Are they somebody that's that that lashes out when there's chaos? Are they somebody that tries to bring stability when there's chaos? Are they a type of person that tries to reassure everyone? Are they do, or on the opposite side of it, do they live in um, delusion? Are they, they they do they try and act like oh everything's everything's fine when it's not? So you get a really good idea of your of your leadership when stuff like this happens to figure out and figure out who who they are as an individual for sure. Um, you know, we can get into like the role of, of a leader during chaos and, and what they should be doing, what a high quality leader does. But, uh, but yeah, I think you do, you get an absolutely a, an inside look at a leader when something like this happens. Yeah. Cool. Were you going somewhere else? I, I interrupted you there. <laughs> no. Um, well I just, you know, I want to touch on this. So, you know, creating calm during chaos. So right, right now what's going on in the world is like we said, is it's, instability right mm. people are overreacting and what i'm saying is that we're going to see the correction take place um but for everybody that's listening the your role our role right now is to provide that stability okay so that's what i'm calling upon every listener to do right now is reassure people but don't reassure them blindly like start digging into what's actually going on so the coronavirus right now if you look up the symptoms of it they're, they're basically flu symptoms yeah. Now they they can it get worse? Yes. Can it mutate? Yes. But there's really no need to be overly concerned at this exact time, right? The situation needs to develop, and this is a really good lesson that I learned from Major Steel. You know, when you're in a situation and on the battlefield, and you go from not being in contact to being in contact, well. It takes a while to figure out what's actually going on on the ground. You might get, you're not always going to know exactly where the guy is that shot at you. Okay. It might take you a few minutes. And if you're a higher headquarters and you start asking the guy on the ground, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on before he understands, you're going to get false reports. He's not going to have the full picture. So when, when that fight kicks off, when there is a shooter shooting at you, there's a period where the situation needs to develop before you start reporting what's going on on the ground. And so that's kind of a misstep in this last couple of weeks, right? People have just been, you know, we were metaphorically shot at yeah. and everybody's screaming, Hey, enemy attack, enemy attack. And who knows, maybe some guy accidentally just accidentally discharged his weapon over in, uh, over in, uh, you know, the next Valley over or something like that. Right? Like we don't know yet. Yeah. So the role of the re the leader is is to let the situation develop and get answers before you start speaking before you understand right right so um you know people are just now starting to kind of calm down a little bit because you're having it's it's actually a little bit sad that it takes this but you know Tom Hanks you're having celebrities step mm -hmm. up that have been exposed to the virus reporting on their experience and they're like well it wasn't really that bad I got a little bit sick but. Hey, all's well. Check me out. I'm alive. But it takes a celebrity for it to come into contact with before the the the, the world believes it, right? They're like, is oh, he like, is he over it already, or does he um, still? I think he might it. still still have it, to be honest. Yeah. But 
But uh, I, you know, I read another report about a lady in Washington, Seattle, that you know reported on her experience after um, overcoming it. She was sick mm-hmm. for like three days, and then in the yeah. back end, she was fine, right? Yeah. But at first, you know, when the, this news story news story was being pushed around, everybody was capitalizing on the fear and the the story, mm-hmm. and so it spread, and nobody really understood the symptoms. Nobody really understood like the effects, how you could get it. I mean, people were saying that. Um, just the most, cr- the craziest stuff, like that you could get it from, I don't even, I don't remember, like, <laughs> like, like baby wipes would allow you to disinfect and not come into contact with it. But that's not actually true. Yeah. The virus will actually still There's contact the sauna you. thing. People were saying that you could like sweat it out in the sauna and shit like that. That's Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They said that they're saying that heat will kill it um, <laughs> and that you should go, everyone should go in a sauna was the report. And that's actually a hundred percent false. Yeah. So, you know, it's what I'm talking about as a leader, right? As us as leaders, we need to avoid the knee jerk reaction when it comes to, to chaos. And we need to allow a little bit of time to let the situation develop and not freak out. And the reason that we, we, we should do this as individuals is because our attitude directly affects our team and our culture and our organization. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when one person acts a certain way, two people do and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I remember a time when I was an infantry company commander, I was overseas in Afghanistan and there were several times when my company's, uh, so my company's job at this time was to react to, um, emergency situations in Afghanistan. I had one platoon that was allocated towards emergency response and, you know, different friendly units would be operating in our battle space. There, some of them were special operations, some of them were conventional, and we were getting fed a lot of different reports from the guys on the ground. And oftentimes, a bad report would get pushed up or a report that was too quick, and it would get everybody on our end spun up and postured to go and rescue or help this force that was in imminent danger. But, you know, if the problem with that is if you do it too quick, you end up pulling this emergency response force on and off, um, you know, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like actual civilian terms that I can use in that <laughs> like military. I want to say like spin up and all these different military <laughs> terms. So I'm trying to make it simple, but you don't want to constantly be pulling and pushing your emergency response force over and over again, because they're never going to know what's real and you're eventually going to exhaust them out. Right. And you're going to keep them on edge. It's going to be unnecessary stress. So, you know, a lot of the times, the job, the job for me was to remain calm during that chaos and then push the accurate information to my company. So everybody knew whether or not we were going to launch that platoon as an emergency response force or not. Now in this scenario and an example that I'm talking about, I can remember multiple times when I would be walking into my tactical operations center. And after somebody had came and grabbed me saying that there was an enemy attack on a friendly force and they were being ambushed and all of Afghanistan was being burnt to the ground. And they're like, sir, 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 you're not, you know, just mass, mass, uh, you know, emotion, mass freak out, come and grab me. Hey, come, come look at this, sir. I think we're going to have to launch a platoon. So one of my guys would grab me and I'd go in there into the tactical operations center and I'd walk in and my natural reaction was to be amped up and ready to go too. But as the leader in that situation, it's important to remain calm because it has a trickle effect, right? The, the bottom line is that, um, you know, walking into the tactical operations center when, Everybody was reacting to a situation on the battlefield. You know, my key role was to provide stability and bring everybody down because 
what ends up happening, if you have a leader that walks into a situation like that, they'll start feeding the fire with their energy. And then people can start making really bad decisions. And if it's not a tactical operations center, the same rules apply on the battlefield. You don't want to have an emotional leader on the battlefield making emotional decisions. Things will go south very, very quickly. So as the leader, when chaos happens, it's your job to first internalize what's going on, remain calm so that that effect trickles across your, your troops, your men, and, and the culture of your organization so that everybody has the same reaction to the scenario and not an overreaction. Okay, so I do have a question, or I have a couple of questions. The first one I think of, which uh, you talk about this a lot when we talk about like mental toughness and things like that, but what should people and leaders alike be doing before chaos happens like this to actually prepare themselves for it? Um, it it's to rehearse their their own. Swear to God, fact. if you say suffering Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you should have, you should have a, a routine. Okay. You should have a habit, a ritual routine that, that puts you into a positive high performing state. Now it, the best way to describe this is using like a baseball player as an example. Okay. A baseball player goes up to the, to the plate, he grabs his bat and you ever watch that, you know, the guy that's trying to hit a home run, he goes through his full routine, he yeah. dusts off his boots, he grabs the bat a certain way, he swings it a couple of times, like he touches his hat, he grabs his ear. And next thing you know, he's like, he's up there for like 10 minutes and you're just waiting <laughs> for him to hit the ball, right? Yeah. So, you know, important. while you're, it, what's that? It's important. Yeah. Well, it's, put, baseball? it's putting him into the flow state, right? Yeah. So you should have a system, a habit, a ritual that you personally go through to encounter chaos. Um, for me, I have my own routines. Okay. For me, it's breathing with a little physical trigger. I have a breathing exercise that I go through and we can talk about that at the end, but breathing is the quickest way to control your physiology, um, automatically. Okay. You can try and think yourself out of a stressful scenario, but the best way to do is, is to, to enforce it with breathing. Um, so for me, it's breathe, think, get my composure, take five, 10 seconds, and then walk into the situation. I do the same thing when I'm in a gunfight and I need to send up a report to my higher headquarters. I'm not going to be in the middle of shooting rounds and try and communicate to my boss while I'm in an emotional state. I'm going to transition. I'm either going to shoot or not shoot, get my, catch my breath, go through my routine, and then key up the microphone and report to him, tell my boss what's going on. Hey, sir, this was going on. And when I say it, I'm going to, I'm going to speak very, very calmly and very clearly so that the ripple effect of that conversation doesn't cause more chaos on the battlefield, right? Like when, when it's like, uh, imagine you're, you're, uh, in a radio tower or, and you're communicating to a plane that's in an emergency situation. that's going to touch down on the airfield. If that pilot is communicating down to the radio tower. Yeah. And, and he's in a panic. What is that going to do to everybody inside the tower? It's going to, well, I wasn't even thinking about inside the tower. It's going to throw them into a panic too. Right. Or if he comes across the radio and he talks to the, to the passengers. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. They're going to go fucking nuts. Right. You know? And that doesn't help anybody. Right. Right. So the power of our words is the leader. Um, you know, we need to, fo- we need to focus on creating, creating that calm. 
Okay. And the way to get there is before you quote unquote, you know, key up the microphone, take that breath, relax, think about what you're going to say, get yourself out of that emotional state because you're going to, your words are going to impact mm-hmm. a lot of people around you. Right. Yeah. What are the, this is kind of taking it a different direction, but we actually had this exact conversation in one of my classes the other week because we were going over the ethics of lying by omission. So is that what, isn't that essentially what you're doing in that case? Like using the plain example is just not telling people about what's going on or are you just saying like, tell people what's going on, but try to do it in a calm manner? Yeah. I'm saying tell them what's going on, but in a calm manner. So if I'm on the ground and I'm an infantry platoon leader and my guys are in, um, uh, in contact, we have a troops in contact scenario. When I grab my mic and I'm reporting to my boss that's behind me that doesn't know what's going on. He can't see the fight. When I key up to him, I'm going to be calm and I'm going to be cool and be collect because I don't want more chaos to happen. Okay. So, but I'm going to tell him, Hey, sir, we're troops in contact. We got three enemy fighters, one wounded, um, you know, continuing to push the objective, right? Very clear, very concise, very factual, but on the ground, it doesn't feel like that's what's going on. We got three enemy fighters and one's wounded. Do we have any U S that are wounded? It's, you know, what, what, and there's a lot of questions that go along with that. And there's a lot of, and at the time that I'm making that report, the guys on the ground are probably still in contact. Maybe there's being grenades thrown and I'm still reporting it the exact same way because I don't want chaos to happen. Yes. But you're also still reporting it. That's right. So when you're trying to maintain order overall, like where should your focus mainly be? Would you say gathering information? So a lot of the times what people do when, when chaos strikes is they just start over-reporting, over-reacting. The solution is not to react, it's to respond. Okay, and, and to, to respond, the first step is to gather more information. So let, remember I mentioned, like, let the situation develop, mm-hmm. figure out what's actually going on, and then report it up. Um, I learned another really powerful lesson from Major Steele when I was in SOF, when I was in Special Operations. Major Steele taught me that the first report is always wrong. Okay, when you have chaos that happens nine times out of 10, the first report that you receive has errors in it. It's not going to be perfect. It's generally going to be wrong. So before you go passing that information around, the solution is to gather more information and be able to paint the picture clearly. Now, if you can't get the whole picture, your job is to report what you do know, not assume and report what you don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people that are listening right now are going to be like nodding their heads along with that, too, because we see it all the time. I mean, we just see it everywhere. We we get this information that it's like maybe it starts off right, but then it just kind of goes to nonsense real quick. Maybe it's just total nonsense to begin with. And so, yeah. So here's how it applies to the real world, right? Or to the average person. Um, Coronavirus strikes. And now all of a sudden your, your Facebook feed is fed with all these different either memes, news reports, or posts about the coronavirus. Your natural reaction is, is going gonna, is gonna to be fear. You're going to be like, man, what's going on in the world? This is crazy. And you're going to read a headline and your natural reaction is going to be to forward that message if it resonates with you. Yes. You're going you're gonna <laughs> to repost or you're going to say, hey, oh my gosh. And you're not going to take the time to look into the report. People just automatically pull the trigger before they, they do the diligence. Mm-hmm. So 
fun, you know, fun fact, you know, there's a lot of ways. It's really easy to publish a news story. It's really easy and with zero credibility. How, like I challenge everybody that's listening, every single post that comes across your Facebook feed or whatever, or to your, to your cell phone through text, challenge where it came from and figure out if it's an authentic, legit news source or if it's some, some BS organization that just likes to get traffic to their website, right? So the real world example of this is like when you're getting, um, you know, I was saying getting shot at, but if you're getting a news report pushed to your social media feed, your job isn't to immediately start communicating it to people. It's to figure out what's actually going on. Okay. And then look two, three layers deep into that situation. Before now, how you do you do that? On it. How do you do that? Because most people try to inform themselves and try to claim that they're, that they've looked into it deeper. But most of the time, what they've actually done is they've just read six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 more of articles that are kind of right there with the first one that they saw. So where do you actually go to figure out what's going on? Yeah. So what I would do, the first thing I would do is when you're trying to report accurate information is always look at somebody's agenda. Okay. We were talking about this with, yeah. with Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan had a great, an absolute great podcast on the coronavirus recently. Yeah. But he's a guy that generally everybody trusts because he gets high quality guests on his show. Yeah. Right. He's a credible source of information essentially. Yeah. So you can assume that stuff that's coming off of his podcast is good information. However, the next level of thinking is to assess why he picked that person to come on his show, what Joe Rogan's um, um, agenda is, and then what that guest's agenda is, right? Yeah. So if you're constantly looking at it like, what's the agenda? Why is this feed? Why is this post? Why is this message being pushed to me right now? If you're constantly asked that, you can you can uncover why it's why it's being revealed to you, why it's being pushed to you, right? Mm -hmm. So the podcast that we're talking about with Joe Rogan was, uh, it was Joe Rogan and Michael, um, was his name? Osterholm. Osterholm. Yeah. He's a, he was a public health scientist. So very, very sophisticated, very educated individual on Joe Rogan's podcast who everybody else is, you know, assumes Joe is very credible. Right. So we would, we would generally trust that information. Now, you could easily see Joe Rogan's podcast and then just push it out to everybody and say, hey, I trust Joe. Everything Joe says, it's fact, right? Because I believe him. However, if we, if we want to push accurate information, we take the time, we watch the, the podcast, we ask those questions, why are we being pushed this? And if you look at, you and I were having this discussion earlier. So I asked myself that same question when I saw Joe released his. I said, why would Joe Rogan be talking about the coronavirus? That was my first question. Well, yeah. It get one, he's a, he's an inquisitive person. He likes information. That's very mm -hmm. true. However, he is trying to grow his podcast and this is a trending topic. So why would he not yeah. want to have somebody on there to talk about it? Yeah. Right. And then the guy that he has, he has come up, Michael Osterholm, he comes in and he starts talking about his job. If you look into, I said, I asked myself the same question. Why is this individual on his podcast? And I said, okay, well, Joe must've thought that he was the master of his field. Cause that's generally who he brings in. Right. And then I said, well, why would this guy want to talk about this on Joe's podcast? And I said, well, his job, like his, his duty, his career is based upon um, fearing people into preventative measures. That's what this guy's job is. Like his paycheck is determined by how many people respond to the information he's putting out. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of. I might be deviating from your specific question, but you're saying like, how does a person verify the information that they're giving? 
Um, it's really, it's not that complicated. It's do a little bit of extra research and read between the lines. Ask yourself, why is this information being, being pushed to me when we're talking right. about stuff that's trending, right? Um, the other thing is to report facts, not assumptions. Okay. That's a, that's a huge, huge separator yes. right there. Or to at least understand the difference between the two when they're being told to you. Cause I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with people saying like, well, we think that this could happen, but when they say it like that, take it to mean we think that this could happen, not this is going to happen. Yeah. 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 It's okay to like say that you think this is an assumption. Sure. But you know, to, 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 control the chaos only report the facts hey is, is coronavirus a thing yes yes it is yeah hey, hey guys coronavirus is in the united states that's a fact yeah just there you go there's no fear associated. The, yeah yeah there's no fear associated with that statement yeah is it a growing concern maybe <laughs> depends who you ask right do we know yet maybe could it get bad yeah it could get bad could any anything could get bad but yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, report the accurate information, stay away from assumptions, um, do a little bit of diligence. Don't be afraid to ask questions too, mm -hmm. right? We should always be asking questions. Where did this come from? Uh, what's going on? Do you, got, do you really understand what that means? So on and so forth. Ask a lot of questions. So, you know, I, I, we're hammering this home because, you know, we're trying to hammer home a bigger point, which is that we as leaders should be helping people remain calm, not causing more chaos. Um, and I think that what's going on right now, the reason that this is so important is because chaos, like we mentioned before, is a, is a tactic that the enemy can use to disrupt our day in and day out life. This is the bigger part. Yeah. This, is, this is why I think this is such a big issue is because we can, we're literally seeing our society turn on each other. Mm-hmm because of an issue that may be serious, it may be not. Yeah. And it's causing mass confusion. Now imagine if you could, you could, you know, cause that confusion and then attack a country. Okay. That's a strategy. That's a tactic the enemy uses to, to, yeah. to, to attack one another. Right. It's one of the dimensions of warfare. What are those? The dimensions of warfare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just so, don't know what they are. So. Yeah. Um, Someone so also doesn't know. So the dimensions of warfare are the dimensions in which um, you can fight, okay, to destroy one another, okay? Uh, land is a dimension of warfare. Land warfare, right? Moving on land to destroy the enemy. Sea warfare, moving by sea to destroy. So there's five dimensions. Um, if I remember right, if I can remember all five of them, you have land, sea, air, um, space. space, and then information warfare. Mm -hmm. Those are the five dimensions. So it's, it's for just a broad understanding, the way to win in a fight, to win against a country, if we we're going to fight another country, is to utilize all five dimensions of warfare to dominate and to win. Okay, right. so attack the enemy in their dimensions. And I was talking to you about an example earlier. So if your, your listeners trying to figure this out, like why, why is this guy talking about, you know, dimensions of warfare? It, it's because I want to, I want people to understand the bigger picture of what's going on right now. Yeah. You know, information warfare, this is an indicator of information warfare or the severity of information warfare. Okay. And what it could potentially do to our country. 
And this is why we should challenge information as leaders, why we should only report facts, not assumptions. Because if I want to take all five of these dimensions and I want to utilize them to, to, to win or take over a country or just to win in war, what it looks like is the example I gave you earlier about attacking you in your room, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I'm friendly forces and you're my enemy yes. and my job is to either capture or kill you, well, how do I do it? How do I go about doing it? And what if I live in another, another country? Yeah. Well, here's how I would do it. I would start off with information warfare. I would, I would send out a message into your country saying that there's a, a virus that the only safe place in the entire country for you to go is your bedroom. Mm -hmm. That's the only, that's the message I would push out, right? Let's just hypothetically yeah. say I could circulate that message through information yeah. warfare. Now, all of a sudden you're scared. You stock up on toilet paper, you stock up on water, and you hide out in your apartment, in your room, because like, I'm safe. Well, safe. now I, I have you exactly where I want you. And so I can begin my maneuver. I can go from my country to yours and work my way towards your bedroom. And on the way, I can employ space warfare. Okay, I can employ satellites for surveillance. I can employ air warfare. I can launch helicopters or aircrafts that are going to overwatch your, your specific apartment complex. And then I can travel by sea to go and fight you. Now, along the way, you're probably going to find out that there's something going on that this isn't just a virus that, that maybe I'm under attack and you're not going to be sure what to do. So you're going to stay where you're at and you're going to deploy your sea warfare, your land warfare. And then we're going to be fighting in all these dimensions around you. Well, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to travel by sea, my little submarine. We're going to get in a sub, a sub gun fight, right? <laughs> submarine gun fight. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. And it, yeah. And then eventually I get to shore. I move by land. We fight by land. And then I move my way all the way to your, your bedroom and I get in the house and I either capture or kill you. Right. And I achieve my, I, I achieve strategic um, success. That's a, a very exaggerated example of the severity of information warfare, but that's how it's used. Yeah. So, I posted on Instagram the other day and you brought this up. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, why did, why when everybody's talking about coronavirus, am I talking about information warfare? I brought it up because coronavirus is trending. And if I, if I publish this, um, opinion about information warfare, it's going to get read. And so it's to create awareness around this idea that we need to not live in ignorance all the time and, and realize that there's levels of that we're, there's, 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 we're exposed to the threats all the time in different dimensions, right? And in, in different areas of life. And so we need to stay alert. We need to make sure that we're, we're reporting factual information, not live in chaos. So I used it as an opportunity to, to inform people about information warfare and the, and the severity of it. Because imagine if this was, it wasn't coronavirus. Imagine we were talking about this a little bit earlier is like, imagine if the messaging wasn't coronavirus, it was that the entire, um, that martial law was in effect. Yeah. And then, you know, there's all this corruption in our government. And then um, the economy is, um, the economy is going to tank or is tanked or the, the, the Federal Reserve is empty, right? Like, what yeah. if that was the messaging? Imagine what state our country would be in. Would we really be able to defend ourselves against an external threat? Yeah. No. It's insane too. The, the, the other insane part to me about that is the way that people would react knowing damn well that most people wouldn't know what half of that stuff means. 
What's that? Like if, like if you started telling people like the Federal Reserve was empty, the truth is like half the people in this country probably have no idea what the Federal Reserve is. Yeah. You know, but people would start going nuts and then other people would start seeing other people going nuts and be like, guess I got to go nuts too. And then next thing you know, everybody's going nuts. Right. They'd have no idea what it, what it actually it's, meant, it's but like they would feed off of the group think. Yeah, they would, fear, they would feed off the fear and be in living in panic all the time. Right? They would just react. Yeah, it's insane to think about. And it works. But, well, and since this is a leadership performance podcast, you know, ba- bad leaders do the opposite. What bad leaders do is they encounter a crazy situation and they amplify it, make it even more crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I saw a bad leader do this at the National Training Center in Fort Irwin. Okay without getting into the complexities of it, it's a place where you, you know, practice, um, moving large friendly forces in the battlefield to, to defeat an enemy. It's a training scenario and it's the largest, the NTC is the largest training, um, center in the entire country, but units usually go there right before they deploy overseas to, to certify them for the deployment to make sure they're validated and that they can go and achieve strategic success overseas, right? So what they do in that training center is they attrit you. They, they disrupt your communications, they um, destroy your vehicles, and they want you to defend and continue to push against those, um, those obstacles. And they basically attrit you to, so you have like nothing left and see if you can survive and win. So it's really, really stressful and leaders don't get to sleep a lot out there. You're constantly on the move. And so what the bad leader would do during that, when he started getting really, really attrited, he would walk into his, his tactical operations center and he, instead of like being calm and controlled, he would be freaking out, yelling at people to give him more information, tell him what's going on when people didn't even have the answers and they didn't know. And he would just end up just in this very emotional state, just causing more and more chaos. And, and what happens during that is that no information could get can get passed. People can't maneuver. No decisions can get made. And then you just end up losing. You end up dying in battle. Yeah. So yeah, don't be a poor leader. Also, like, that's where everybody starts turning on each other and culture goes to shit. And shit, like, it's a real race to the bottom from there. Yeah. And everybody becomes less productive. Yeah. You know, what do we want? What do we all want to do? We want to fucking win. So why <laughs> would we, why would we add more fire? You know, why would we feed the fire? We want to fucking, we want to calm it down control it yeah so great leaders calm the chaos yes so you were getting into like your breathing techniques and stuff like that do you want to kind of right here at the end of the podcast for everybody just run right through some of these practical tips we were talking about i know you kind of already dropped all of them throughout the episode but you want to kind of condense them together so they're easier to understand yeah so practical tools for controlling the chaos um you know, it, there's three, there's three points here. Okay. Uh, the first one is let the situation develop. Okay. So if you're in a chaotic situation, let the situation develop. That's your first, your first step. And what, what I mean by that is take a tactical pause and deepen your understanding of what's going on before you pa- start passing out information. All right. Now, step number two is to remember that the first report is always wrong. Okay. Prime example of this was I was in this firefight overseas and my platoon sergeant was reported as killed in action. Okay. We had gotten this really nasty gunfight. He had taken some shrapnel to the legs and 
we had gotten some time to consolidate and reorganize. And when we did that, we called the medics over to come and treat him so we could get him to walk off of the battlefield. That was the goal. Well, when the medics started treating him, it was dark. It was late at night. There was, we were still in contact. It was a heavy, heavy, heavily kinetic scenario. People were still being shot at. Uh, we were still shooting back. And so there's a lot of noises, a lot of chaos, right? And so these two medics, they're up there and they're treating him. Um, and they, they pull out this, uh, um, this uh, well, it was supposed to be anti-inflammatory. Okay. So they have my platoon sergeant laying on his back. They give him this anti-inflammatory, what they thought it was, into his legs. But it turns out they grabbed the wrong injection and they actually grabbed ketamine. So they injected him with ketamine. And at that moment, I was standing right next to him. Um, Wait, he, what, what, I, what is ketamine? What? So ketamine is used um, to basically calm you down when okay. you're in shock. It's, it, it's, it's, it's to help treat a patient that's going crazy, right? It's, it's basically... Um, uh, it's, 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 it's used in psychotherapy as well. So ketamine is, uh, it's actually in ecstasy. So if you've ever seen like, oh, good. <laughs> like, like kids taking ecstasy or whatever, yeah, ketamine is inside of there. It's, it'll make you high. Right. Yeah. But it, it can be used to treat people that are wounded and help calm them down. Okay. So they accidentally grabbed ketamine and injected it into him thinking it was this anti-inflammatory. They gave him too much. And he essentially overdosed. <laughs> he went into this, he looked like he was having a seizure. He went completely stiff on his back. His arms flexed up really hard. He opened his mouth. He tensed up and then he blacked out and passed out. And I watched this whole thing and I didn't know that they had given him ketamine. They didn't know they gave him ketamine. I just thought he was dying. Okay. Like he had just gotten wounded in this gunfight, had trapped him to the legs and he had some weird reaction and, and it looked like he was just dying. Well, when that happened, there was a short conversation around the medics and they were like, some, somebody said, did you kill him or something like that? And the, there was a officer above me that was there. He hadn't had all the information. He immediately reported it. And he reported that that NCO, that platoon, my platoon sergeant was killed in combat. And he said, Hey, so-and-so is KIA. And when that happened, when I was deployed, you know, that's, that's not only is it catastrophic on the ground, but it's catastrophic strategically because what, what we were doing in, in Afghanistan at the time was not supposed to be making headlines every single day, right? Like people, people don't want to see casualties in Afghanistan. So it was like, not only is this a horrible situation where this individual is dead, but like this is and on a strategic level, this impacts us significantly. It means we're going to have to stand down all of our operations um, because we're losing Rangers in combat. Okay. So it has significant effects, but my point is with all this is the, the, the leader that he, he reported a little too quick and he reported that this individual was KIA. And after the medics kind of figured out what was going on, they learned that they gave him ketamine and that he wasn't dead. And they gave him some, um, ammonia to wake up. They woke him back up and they realized that they had mistaken the vials and they didn't give him the anti-inflammatory, but that he was alive. But for a period of like five to 10 minutes, everybody thought that this ranger was dead on the battlefield and more chaos happened because so, right? People are getting on the phones in the tactical operations center at my higher headquarters, getting ready to alert the, the president, you know? And it's like, you don't want all that if you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like let's, let's, so anyways, we, 
what I'm saying is that the first report is always wrong. So that, that senior officer that was on the ground that day, he reported the first report. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the first report thing is often wrong. So when you hear the first report, you just want to get, gather some more information and then push it up. Okay. So step number one, let the situation develop. Step number two, recognize that the first report is always wrong. And then number three is um, a, a breathing technique. Okay. Um, you, there's a lot of different places to learn breathing techniques, but the one that I like to use is this box method. And what you do is when chaos is happening and you realize, hey, this is a bad situation, bad situation, you spend uh, 16 seconds calming yourself down by imagining a box traced in front of your face and you just trace it with your eyes from left to right and every leg of the box, you inhale or exhale and you do it for four seconds on each leg. right? So you're moving from left to right, you're breathing in four seconds, then you get to that corner and you're gonna go down breathe out ten, four seconds and you do the same thing all across the perimeter. Okay. You do that one time. If you need a second time, you can go ahead and do it again. But one time is generally enough to get you refocused. Take 16 seconds. That'll calm your body down, get you out of an emotional state and allow you to walk into a calm state. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Now everybody's standing with their headphones in at the gym, picturing a box in front of them and moving their eyes around and <laughs> everybody else is like, what the hell is going on? All right. I don't know if that does it. I don't know if you have anything more to talk about. No, I just, I just wanted to highlight, um, you know, the severity of what was happening in the news today, guys, gals, ladies and gentlemen, and, and remind you to, in times of chaos, be the leader that steps up and helps everybody calm down. Don't remain ignorant, Right. I'm not saying check out and say that the stuff that's going on around us isn't serious. I'm saying do a little bit of diligence and then be that, be that comfort that people need, be the voice of reason, be the, be the, the person that pulls some layers back and figure out what's really going on. And you know, you're going to have some doubt. You're going to have some, you know, you're going to be a little bit skeptical of the information you're getting. That's okay, but do your best report the facts and uh, provide calm during the chaos. Right? So I'll close off with today's quote that I mentioned earlier today. The real target in war is the mind of the enemy commander, not the bodies of his troops. And what that quote symbolizes is the power of psychological warfare. And so we need to, as individuals and leaders, we need to build up our defenses in all areas of life. And one of those areas is in psychological warfare. So become a leader that is unwavering in his mental state somebody that can bring calm to, to the chaos and bring stability in unstable times okay so that's what i ask of you today go out and spread today's message and until next time be the leader i need some motivation motivation every day i try a little harder but my dedication keep my head way way above the water crying myself and i yell at the wall begging to run but i needed to crawl i see the finish line up ahead trying to get traction from all of this tread i am a king i am a queen i am more than the people can see i am strong when i'm needing to be vulnerability's nothing to me you can try but i'm unshakable my successes is never debatable i'm coming and i'm so interchangeable here's to you and all that you are capable